Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. After the division of Israel into two kingdoms, God was still able to point to at least some among his people that had not given up their proper standing and had maintained, at least outwardly, some devotion to his fundamental word. God's word at that time, of course, consisted of the law, but many don't realize the law came in two sections, both of which came through Moses. The first section is the law of the commandments, or the Ten Commandments, as we commonly refer to them. These are the moral laws that God gave to his people, covering all aspects of relationships. The second section is called the ceremonial law, the laws governing the details of the offerings and the priesthood and the feasts that God established for his people. Though the kings of Judah stood on the proper ground of Jerusalem and professed allegiance to all the laws of God, in reality they kept neither the moral law nor the ceremonial law. The result was that ultimately they lost their possession and enjoyment of the good land that God had given them. What can we, God's New Testament people, learn from such a tragic example? And that has been somewhat, I think, the overall thrust of this whole life study in the books of First and Second Chronicles. And Matt Miller, frequently a guest host or a fill-in host, is in the studio today. Matt, I don't know what role you're playing today, but I'm just glad to have someone in the studio with me. Glad to be here, Chris. We really have seen again and again, Matt, that although Chronicles deals only with the kings of Judah and doesn't touch the history of the kings of the northern kingdom, which at that time was called the kingdom of Israel, uh, still these ones, though, were pleasing to a degree, but only a limited degree, weren't they? Very limited. We saw how pleased God was with Hezekiah. I thought that was a a highlight for me in the whole book of Chronicles. Uh, Hezekiah was such a good king. That program was full of restoration, revival, recovery. Mm-hmm. It was quite encouraging in a response to so much death and dryness, so much uh, evil. The kings of Judah were not a real good pattern. Even though they were standing on the proper ground, mm-hmm. uh, they were in Jerusalem. They weren't as apostate like the kings of Israel. But even on the proper ground, they were not a proper people. Hezekiah was a good example to this. He had an evil father and he had an evil son. The king before him and the king after him were both bad. But Hezekiah was a great king, a good pattern of one who followed the Lord to be a God-man, the pattern that we as believers should have. Mm -hmm. I don't want to jump the gun too much, so maybe I'll stop there. Well, let's talk about, uh, uh, at least let's uh, build a little background or backdrop for our listeners today. We're really going to be talking about this matter of the law, and the connection of the law to what the thrust of this life study has been is this, if I could uh, say it in a a succinct way. Two components, really, that we've been talking about. Number one, 
they're remaining on the proper ground. You just referred to that. And that, of course, was Jerusalem. That was the place God had ordained for all his people to come, bring their offerings, and really maintain the oneness of all the people of Israel. Very clear from Deuteronomy 12. Exactly. And the northern uh, the northern kingdom had departed from that and gone to uh, Dan, which is far in the north, and set up an alternate worship center. This offended God. So the kings of Judah maintained their standing, and God was pleased about this. But the second aspect was the fundamental truth or the fundamental word. This is the word of God and the proper faith. And they did maintain a kind of outward adherence or allegiance to the word, but not really an inward reality. There was no real keeping of the word of God. And the word at that time consisted of these two aspects of the law, the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments, and the ceremonial law of God, which God gave to man and gave to the children of Israel to help repair and restore. Today, we're going to focus on the first of these two aspects of the law, the moral law, and how that is uh, both a way that God was keeping some sort of protection for his people, but also really was, in reality, a portrait of God. And this is the key point. Of course, in the New Testament, we realize that Christ is the reality and the fulfillment of all of the law of the Old Testament. So I've selected a couple of verses, Matt, from Colossians in the New Testament that shows that what ultimately was the great loss to the children of Israel, even the kings of Judah, was the loss of their enjoyment of the good land. In the New Testament, Christ is even the reality of the land in addition to being the reality of the law. And that's what these verses in Colossians chapter 1 point out. Giving thanks to the Father in verse 12, who has qualified you for a share of the allotted portion of the saints in the light. This is a clear reference to the good land in the Old Testament. Who delivered us out of the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Christ is everything to us, isn't he, Matt? He sure is. All right, let's join Witness Lee, and then we'll come back to fellowship. If you have studied, to some extent, these examples of the kings among Israel in the enjoyment of the good land, you could see very much that God has a heart to get a people on the search so that he could be incarnated in humanity. God needs these people. And not only so, God needs a land for these people to form a nation, to uh, set up a testimony of God according to the law of God. Now, we need to learn to know what is the law of God. The law of God was not only the Ten Commandments, because the Ten Commandments are only the laws concerning morality, moral law. The rest of God's law is a ceremonial law. The moral law concerns, firstly, God's people's relationship with God and with their parents. The first three laws are concerning God himself. The fourth law concerning God's Sabbath day. And the fifth concerning the parents of God's people. Then the last five 
of the Ten Commandments are concerning the relationship of God's people among themselves. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not lie to give false witness, you shall not lie, and you shall not covet. Very simple, very short, but they cover everything. Such a law is called in Old Testament the testimony of God. The law is a photo of God. When you read this, sure you would say the lawgiver, the legislator of this law must be one full of love, full of light, holy, and righteous. So the law was God's image. The law is called the testimony of God. Based upon this, the law was also a type of Christ. Why? Because Christ is God's picture. Christ is God's image. Matt, the program today definitely builds, I think, one section to another. And the key point, the foundational point, I think we want to establish in this first section is this matter of the law being a picture or a portrait, the testimony of God. Uh, develop that, if you would. I think, Chris, uh, you mentioned in the before we started that section that the, the law had two aspects. And I'll witnessly repeat it. It has the moral aspect, which is the Ten Commandments. And we see that in Exodus chapter 20 through 24, including the statutes. But then there's also an aspect of the law which most people have never heard about, which is the ceremonial law. And that takes a, a much larger portion of the scriptures to cover, and that's Exodus 25 through Leviticus chapter 27, getting into all the details of the ceremonial law. Today, we're just focusing on the moral law, the first half of the law, so to speak, which is the Ten Commandments, the part of the law that most people are familiar with. And most of the law in society as we know it is based upon these five aspects of the second half of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear a false witness, and thou shalt not covet. Okay, those are the five things. Now, what you see in the opposite of those things is God himself, that God is a God of love. He's a God of light. He's a God of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so when Witness Lee says that the law really shows us a portrait of God, he's saying you should not do these things because God is not those things. He's the opposite of those things. If you would love someone, you'd never steal from them. Right. You'd never misrepresent them by bearing a false witness. Uh, that's not right. It's not righteous. But God is right. God is righteous. God is holy. God is loving. He's full of light. He's full of shining. So when we say he's a portrait, that the law is a portrait of God, it shows us the kind of God we have. Mm. I think we're going to get into it a little more later, but uh, the kind of person you are is the kind of laws you will make. In many places, uh, Witness Lee would use the example that if a nation's constitution was drawn up by bank robbers and thieves, it would be completely different than the one that we have today because the constitution of this country and many of the Western democracies really are based on these moral laws of God, aren't they? And I think a lot of people listening to this program maybe would take this in a political way, but this is not a political program. Right, exactly. But you could say that there are laws being made that are not righteous today. 
because we have voted in people who have, are not necessarily righteous people. And we don't want to go down that road with this program, but it, it illustrates the point. The kind of person you are is the kind of law you make. Right. Okay, Matt, now as we uh, begin to build the program to where we want to go today, the important, I think, link from the Old Testament law to the New Testament focus that we bring in so often in this program, God's economy, is the one that will be developed in this portion. So let's join Witness Lee for that. You must learn how to link the history books with God's economy. In God's economy, he has chosen Israel and establish them as a people, and form them as a nation, and give them the law. How do you link this with God's economy? It seems nothing to do, because God's economy is to become a man, to produce an organic body of Christ, which will be consummated in the New Jerusalem. This is God's economy. And the center and the reality and the goal is Christ. Now how could the law be linked to that? Think about it. You have to see the law was given as God's picture to be God's image and to be God's testimony. And this was a type of Christ. And Christ is God's picture, God's testimony. So, when God charged Israel, when they enter into the good land, they must do their best to keep the law. Now, you have to know what is to keep the law. To keep the law in typology, it means to express God. When you keep the law, not killing, not commit adultery, not steal, not lie, and not covet. My goodness, what kind of man you are. You say it. You become God man. You bear the image of God. You are a portrait of God. You are a duplication of God, so you are a God of man. Matt Wright, embedded in the midst of uh, his speaking there, was a question that uh, he went on to answer. I'm going to just put the question back to you and ask you to uh, develop it, because this is such a key point that it bears, I think, this kind of underscoring. How do we see, or where do we see the linkage between the law of the Old Testament and God's goal, God's center, God's focus, which is his New Testament economy. Well, first of all, Chris, let me just repeat what Witness Lee said God's economy is, because the term God's economy still may not be that familiar with many of our listeners, and we may have listeners today for the first time. So for the sake of repetition, God's economy is that God became a man to produce an organic body of Christ, which will be consummated in the New Jerusalem. That, in a nutshell, is God's economy. Okay, God became a man. Okay, that's obviously Christ. Christ lived on the earth, rose from the dead, and through his death and resurrection, he produced an organic body of Christ. That organic body of Christ is the church, and that church will eventually consummate in the New Jerusalem is what we see at the end of the Bible. So how do we apply the law to that? 
the way we apply the law to that is that the law is exposing all the things that we are that are not according to what Christ is. Christ is the image of God. Christ is the portrait of God. And Christ is the one that we're being conformed into his image. We're being conformed into the image. We're representing Christ. Well, if we are people who are coveting, for example, we're not representing Christ. Right. And Colossians 3, 5, the King James says that covetousness is idolatry. In the recovery version, it says greedy. And I think the New American Standard, it also says greediness is idolatry. So the application from the law in the Old Testament, you know, it's obvious we shouldn't have an idol, but how about greediness? I was sitting at the dinner table last night. My wife made a great dinner and we're sitting there and there was a great portion of food that it's all gone. And I looked around at the kids at the table and they were all hungry and there was only enough for one more portion. And they all started looking at each other. There's some greed there. (laughs) Maybe you call it hunger. I think the first portion got past the hunger. Now it was a matter of they just wanted that last portion. Could you say that that greed or that covet, that wanting of that last portion was idolatry? Well, this is the deeper call to us in the New Testament, that we would turn our heart to the Lord, that the Lord could even meet us in the small things. It's not just the big things, but even in the small things at our dinner table, how we talk to our wife, how we talk to our kids, how we react to the things that our heart's craving for. If... um Christ is the image of God. That means Christ is the portrait or photo of God. And in the Old Testament, the law is the image of God. So, Matt, as we are, as you said, conformed to his image, ultimately our destiny is to become that expression of God as described at least outwardly by these Old Testament commandments, isn't it? Yeah, that's what we see in the end of the Bible is the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is the expression of of what all of these commandments are. There's the light expressed, there's righteousness, holiness, love. That's the end of God's economy. If the children of Israel had been able to keep the law, they would have been expressing God, and there would have been a kind of a fulfillment. Of course, they were unable to. I think we even have a legitimate question how much they wanted to. But giving them the benefit of the doubt, at least the ones that remained in Judah, remained centered in Jerusalem and holding the fundamental things, had that desire. But they were powerless. Of course, God knew in the Old Testament and knows in full well in the New Testament that in ourselves, in our natural constitution, there is no ability for us to keep the law, express God in any kind of genuine way. So the New Testament economy that we are centered on and focused on, which is what God is centered on and focused on, is all about another life, another capability being imparted, dispensed uh, into mankind, enabling us to live that kind of life, which we've been calling in this life study a God-man living. Philippians chapter 1, a couple of verses here that uh, help us, I think, realize uh, that without this, we have no hope. For I know, Paul says in verse 19, that for me, this will turn out to salvation through your petition and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And then skipping a verse, he comes back and says, for to me, to live is not keeping the law. He says, for me, to live is Christ. This is the key, isn't it? It sure is, Chris. All right, here's Witness Lee with our last portion. Look at today's world. What is here? Murdering, killing, committing fornication. Who tells the 
truth today here? Who is not coveting here? So, on this earth, full of what? Full of God, man? You tell me, full of what? We all are believers. We believe in Lord Jesus. We repented. We came back to him. We got rescued. We got saved. Even God dynamically saved. Yet, not only the children of Israel did not keep the law. Even today, we do not leave Christ to keep the law. In the Old Testament, in typology, means to leave God, to express God. How about we? We do not express God. In the ancient time, they only have the printed pages. But today we have the all-inclusive, life-giving, compounded, consummated spirit in us. We have something much more, much stronger, much higher, much larger than the law. Paul says, the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ eventually will become salvation to me. Yet, do we leave Christ? In the church meetings, you leave Christ. You then, you know, with your wife, with your husband, with your children, do you leave Christ? A God-man is one, regardless male or female, who lives a life to deny herself or himself always. To be crucified, to live Christ for the expression of God. By this you could see in the Old Testament, in the history, there was a picture of the New Testament. I hope you re-study the Chronicles. That will become a new book, full of enlightenment, full of Christ, full of the Spirit. Matt, there's not too much time left. The question, the obvious question is, is a gigantic one. So this is the difficult task in the short time we have left. How is it possible that we can live a life that's any different than what the children of Israel experienced? Well, the quick answer, Chris, is the law of the spirit of life that's in our spirit. It's in us in an inward way. In the Old Testament, God's glory shone on the skin of Moses' face in an outward way. But in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, God shines in our heart. The glory is shining from within us in a hidden way, and we experience Christ in our spirit in a hidden way, and he shines out from within instead of from without. You know, as you uh, were telling a minute ago the story of uh, life at your dinner table last night, he said something almost identical to that. It was somewhat almost as if he were listening to our conversation, man. The point is that uh, the reality of this uh, kind of living that really expresses God is found almost always in the small things, isn't it? It sure is. And as I was looking at my kids' faces last night, I was hoping there was a prayer, that there was a turn to the Lord, you know, and I was looking at them and I really hope that that we would all have that kind of reaction when there's a desire in us 
of greed or covetousness, we would turn our heart to the Lord, and then the shining yeah. comes from within. The God who said, out of darkness, light will shine, is the God who shined in, in our, our hearts. Wow. Good illustration. Thanks, Matt. Always good to have you. And whether you're uh, helping me by uh, filling in or whether you're occupying the other chair, I enjoy these times a lot. Thanks, Chris. Glad I could be here. And we hope that you'll contact us still to get the printed Life Study messages, uh, a marvelous resource if you uh, have any desire to delve into these matters in more detail. one life study is our toll-free number. That's 888-543-3788. For Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us radio at lsm.org or call us toll free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.